Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things. I am your co-host, Sam, here with my other co-host, Sean. Sean, how you doing? First video episode. I'm pretty good. Uh, I just spent my whole afternoon cooking my portion of the meals. So we're going to kind of splice in in a couple days. Sam's going to cook his meals from his fantasy cookbooks, and then we'll talk about his. But for today, anyway, this half of the recording, we have my food. So I'm doing really well. I'm excited to eat it. I have, I made a soup and a cake and I have, my soup is accessible. My cake hasn't been cut yet. I want to be able to show it for presentation, but I'm excited. Yeah. And I've got, I'm drinking absinthe right now. Oh, wow. I had some and I wanted to celebrate with my absinthe. So What's the thing with absinthe? The the green fairy, the yeah, wormwood. They used to think it made you like hallucinate, but that's not. That's not really no, it doesn't. I don't think so. Not in the quantities that are in absinthe. Well, drink up. I think uh, it's a yeah. I honestly, I think it's a urban myth, urban legend that it makes wormwood, you hallucinate. I I think wormwood was outlawed or pro- prohibited in some manner for a long time in the United States. And only recently could you get actual absinthe in the US. Mm. Funny story, I actually had an absinthe, or excuse me, an, abs- an absinthe plant. I had a wormwood plant at our old house in Detroit. Mm. And I made a tincture using wormwood leaves and 90 proof alcohol. And that, I gave it to my parents because I made it at their direction. Because mm. they're, they're, they're big into plant medicines. Anyway, this is all staying in. It's all staying in the podcast. I'm not cutting. <laughs> now that everybody can see my face, I'm the one who edits. <laughs> I, I get to decide what stays. I'm coming to you today from my kitchen, not from the angle that shows much of where the magic happens. This is the the wall, my bathroom, and my smoking toad. I also uh, see you've got what looks like to be at least a comic book. Or some are those pictures? Oh no, these are Josie Do originals. These are my sister-in-law. Oh, cool. I just tried mint, mint condition. Trying, yeah, trying to see them. Used. Trying to see what I'm doing from behind from the video. Yeah. So Josie, my sister-in-law, makes a uh, makes collages for the family, and I request them because I think they're a they can be really funny and they're really really awesome. But yeah. And that looks like sea lions or seals and some sort of medieval manuscript or there's a civil war battle. There's a picture of Michigan. God bless Michigan. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on our walls around here, but yeah, this is what we've got going on. (laughs) I'll pick those up later. It's not a big deal. Sam, we'll splice in. Where are you recording from? Are you going to try to do uh, from your kitchen? When you are done? I don't know. See, the thing with... So in full disclosure to our listening fans out there, all two of you, we're recording on two separate days because of the vagaries of how life works. So I don't know exactly what my situation will be when we record on Monday with with us. The, the kitchen can be not the best recording environment because we've got the dog who is always in the kitchen. And then... It's a it's a loud place place of coming and going often with the baby and the whatnot. So we might be in the kitchen 
or or I will record myself in the kitchen during the prep during the preparation, and then the actual recording will be out of the out in a more okay. quiet space in my in my recording studio, which is actually just my basement with a with a, a sheet a, yeah. a, a sheet behind me. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. While I'm here, before we actually get going into the the food, this is also my mead station. If I can turn it around a mm. little bit, so there's. This is a sneak peek of the mead production. Yeah, I have five going right now. And next week, our episode is going to be a mead episode. And I will have hopefully bottled at least three of these. So I have some more space on the counter for our podcast mead, which as a little ditty, a little note, we will make the mead and get it into primary fermentation next week. And then we'll have to wait probably four months before we can do another update episode on how it actually turns out. But you know what that allows us to do is have a fun bottle cover, bottle label contest. Mm. If anybody wants to help me design labels for these, yeah, that would be great. I'm thinking, because was it friend of the show, Angel? who came up with the term earntlings earntings 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 as our that would be the the demonym for our, our fan base although yeah, as i said nerdy I things don't know how many there are of them out there yeah no that's okay we always joke that we do this for ourselves so it is what it is if people want to listen to us that's their prerogative and now they can I, watch I think, yeah, and I think we're doing cool stuff here. You're not going to be able to watch us frequently. We'll probably do this every once in a while because, like I've said in the past, I don't get paid to edit, and it's pretty time consuming. So, video, I feel like it's even more time consuming. So we'll see how this goes, and then yeah, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, so Sean, you have prepared a couple of dishes for us today, yeah. and maybe before we do the the big reveal of the cake and the soup. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. about the sources that you that you went to? So I have four cookbooks of the fantasy fun variety. The first one is Hero's Feast, which one of my meals comes from that. That is the Dungeons and Dragons official cookbook. I have the official cookbook of Critical Role, Exquisite Exandria, which not a sponsor. We are not sponsored by any of these. These are just the books that we had and we wanted to have fun making it. I also have the Skyrim Elder Scrolls cookbook, which we're using as the base for next week's mead. And I have a Bob's Burgers burger book, which I've made a couple from that. And these are just really fun. If you're have like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you make some couple things from this that can be a fun thing. There's cocktails in here, full entrees. I decided to do kind of an entree and a dessert for this one. And I'm going to go entree first because I'm worried that it's starting to get a little cold. All so right. Well, let's, let's jump in. Redo that one first. So my entree comes from Hero's Feast. And this is the potato leek soup. And one of the coolest Ooh. things about Hero's Feast the D&D cookbook, is that they break up their foods into races. So you have dwarvish food, halfling food, elven food, and each of the different types of food has a stereotype. So 
the dwarf food tends to be potato meat heavy elvish food kind of tends to be a little bit more vegetarian halfling is kind of like a mix between the two you get some meaty stuff like farmy kind of i'm I'm thinking of a rewatch of the hobbit trilogy when the dwarves are in rivendell and they're all complaining about the light fare that they're Mm -hmm. receiving yeah so it's all green i'm we're recording with our computers so i can't really show you without kind of fucking everything up so (laughs) i'm gonna you don't want a ladle soup over your computer let me insert picture here i can also kind of do one of these that's that looks great that looks great on there it's it's green goopy food it actually actually i haven't tried it yet so here's my first taste i'm not Uh gonna eat uh i'm not gonna like put it up to my mouth while i'm doing it it all over the microphone let's go full asmr here I mean, goddamn. Yeah, good. So really, it's pretty easy to make. I got the last two leaks from Fred Meyer. I could only find them in the organic. God, that is good. Jesus. All you do is cook down some bacon for some bacon grease. And then you cook your, I think it comes with leeks and celery Mm -hmm. are the base vegetables. You kind of cook those down. Then you add potatoes, some thyme and salt you cook it in chicken stock until it all cooks down and the potatoes get nice and soft and then if i didn't have an immersion blender so i had to kind of just ladle everything into a tabletop blender and then that's how i got it all nice and creamy so and blended long-time listeners will know that you are uh, a student of the french language and have lived in france and traveled to France on multiple occasions. And in French cuisine, the potato leek soup is a vichyssoise, served cold, uh, which, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. I like soup to be warm. Uh, But have you had potato leek soup before? Have you had vichyssoise? I haven't had it cold. Okay. I'm a texture guy. And I'll I'll hate foods just because of their texture. Uh, And I feel like if I were to take this soup and give it a make it cold i feel like the consistency you'll get grainy, all, right but yeah you get all yeah get fucked and i hate it uh but this is pretty great and then i i'll throw some pictures in as we're talking so i'm probably have already thrown pictures up at this point while we're recording but oh, those are some great pictures they were, yeah, they were great. great job yeah thank you so the when you blend it initially you don't have the last thing you add to it is heavy cream mm-hmm. and just one cup of heavy cream for the makes a pretty sizable stock, like a big stock pot full of soup. So it's pretty great. Uh, I think it said it served like eight people. Oh, wow. But before you add the heavy cream, it's a pretty dark green color. And then mm-hmm. when you add that cream to it, it kind of lightens it up into a snot looking color. Yeah, it did. I was like, I, I, I've had potato leek soup before. It tastes really good. It, it's probably the least camera-ready food out there. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. It's always camera-ready. Like, this is just what it looks like. That's true. I guess it doesn't It doesn't um, really have a, you know, it's not self-aware. No. Okay, so the, I wanted to ask you about leeks. Do you cook with leeks, leeks a lot? This is the first time. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, do I cook with, the first time I ever even heard the word leek was Skyrim. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Which well. n- not even the, the right cookbook. Like I'm, this is hero's feast, but yeah. And playing elder scrolls five Skyrim, you're playing in one of the foods you can make is grilled leeks. I feel like every farmstead has leeks growing in the fields. And it's so easy just to accumulate a ton of leeks by the end of the game. Apologies for our watchers. Now, if you don't enjoy seeing me take spoonfuls of food, I don't give a shit. I'm hungry. It's my dinner time. Yeah. And I've been slaving away on this. Super How long game. did it take? How long did it take total? I did them kind of back to back. So I started with the cake. We'll get into that when we switch gears to dessert. But I started with the cake probably well, plus grocery shopping. Can I just say? No one tells you that confectioner sugar is the same goddamn thing as powdered sugar. Oh man, come on. I didn't know that. You're looking at you're talking to somebody who's watched all seven seasons of Great British Bake Off that are available in the US. I know Carly does too, but Carly doesn't she's uh, out of town. She's in Oregon. So I'm at the grocery store myself walking down the baked foods aisle like where the <laughs> fuck is the, is the goddamn confectioner sugar yeah. and then i finally after like 20 minutes like i'd gotten everything else on my list and then i pull up my notes and i'm like oh powdered sugar yeah 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 just fucking call it that then that's, jesus that's funny that's funny and then i had the same mishap with the heavy cream i found heavy whipping cream uh-huh. and i'm looking for heavy cream I thought there'd be a difference between those two things. <laughs> this is great. I know it was awful. So then I finally was like, you know, cookbooks should just give the name of what you can actually find at the grocery store. Yeah. So I quickly got over that after having Googled my two things. But I think in all, the cake, I mean, was kind of hands on. And we'll go through the steps in a minute when we switch over but the cake probably took an hour the soup probably took like 40 ish minutes with all the different steps yeah there's i mean i asked about leeks because leeks are a pain in the butt to prepare you've got to trim all of the layers you know trim down to the parts that you're actually going to use you've got to slice it a couple ways and clean it out because they can have grit in between the the layers of the leek because it is an onion and it you know, it can get dirt and sand in between the, the leaves. So there's there's some prep work, but they are good. And it's, they're, they add this, yeah, the subtleness of leeks is... I didn't do any of that with my leeks. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Well, that, that might be the grainy texture that you're getting in your... Uh, it's really not. I'll, okay, all good. I did was, I mean, I rinsed them off, but then like probably rinsed in between the leaves and all that shit. But I mean, the... Recipe said, just thinly slice the whites and greens. Then you kind of saute them in the bacon grease with the celery. And in the end, everything just gets blended up. Nice. In your blender. But yeah. And then the only additional thing that you could add, the bacon that you use for the bacon grease, you can like cut it up and add it at the end. So that's what I ended up doing for just a little extra. I think I did that. We've only made potato leek soup maybe once or twice, but... It's all any excuse to put crumbled bacon on something is going to be taken. There's an Irish pub kind of down the road from me, Doyle's. And they have a soup special that rotates. And I, I go in there every once in a while just hoping for potato leek soup because theirs is 
fucking bomb, dude. That's good soup. Good soup. We are now a soup podcast. Well, yeah. to swallow that bite, and then I, I don't know if there's anything else we want to say. Oh, let me. So just to confirm. Yeah. Do you have any more questions about the recipe soup? was in the dwarven section as a root vegetable kind of hearty meal? For our listeners, Sean is looking up the recipe. For those who own Heroes Feast. Oh, there we go. You can find the potato leek soup recipe on page 97 in the Dwarven section. There you go. And we were joking ahead of time that if this episode kind of does well, then Sam and I might be doing more of these cooking episodes in the future. So if you like this, share it with your friends, and then we might do more of it. Because this is one recipe out of fucking like a hundred in the in one cookbook. Exquisite Exandria has a shit ton more. The Elder Scrolls cookbook has a shit ton more. They kind of overlap with some. Like the dwarf one of the dwarven sections is Miner's Pie, which is kind of like a pasty, like a hand mm-hmm. meat pie kind of deal. Cornish, Cornish hand pie. Yeah. And I believe Exquisite Exandria has a version and so does the Elder Scrolls cookbook. So you can find similar recipes in the different books, but so that is my potato leek soup. And very good. I wish we had that Wonka thing where you could smell it and taste it. Oh yeah. By just looking at it, but well, you know, put some in a We're thermos, not there yet. Send it overnight. I'll have it tomorrow. I'm going to quick finish my bowl. Oh yeah. Okay. So for our Before listeners, I, Sean is getting We don't even have to say, for those listeners, because we have visual people who can watch me finish my soup. Well, that's what I'm saying. For, but for the people who are listening to the podcast, because I think most folks will probably consume this on the podcast first and then maybe supplement for their viewing pleasure the shots of you eating and the various visuals. If you would like to... Stay till the end and I'll do some ASMR eating. <laughs> yeah. That's going to come out on another channel. Yeah, really. <laughs> two my two own, dudes, my only, one apron ASMR. My only fans. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Now, we're going to kind of get up and move around a little bit. Because I'm going to show you my cake that comes from Critical Role's cookbook, Exquisite. Exandria. Are these, do you know if the recipes included in the exquisite Exandria cookbook are from the kitchens of the various critical role cast members, or is it similar to some of these other? I think the DD book is pretty, I'm, you know, I'm sure there Wizards of the Coast hired somebody to write the book. Are there personalizations in the exquisite Exandria book? I don't know. Put you on blast, critical role. I know a lot of the recipes are kind of taken from events in the book. So Mm. I just passed Black Moss Cupcakes, which is a reference to the Mighty Nine. Maybe the best Uh, episode ever. That was one of the best episodes ever. Yeah, Yasha's Flower Cake is the one that I made. 
And I'm currently trying to pull up the page number before I move on. Okay. Yasha's flower cake can be found on pages 190 and 192 in the exquisite Exandria cookbook. And I know I'm probably going to show a picture that I took of the cake as well, but here is my here cake for you, Sam. So you can see it. Is that everybody lavender? else? Yeah. Everybody else. You will probably be looking at a picture of my cake that I took at the moment, but that is my cake. And it is lavender garnished on top. I got little lavender flowers. The one of the first things you you have to do is melt down a stick of butter. And then you infuse the melted butter with lavender. And then that's the butter you cook with. And after having gone to battle with my confectioner sugar and the other things I needed for this recipe, everything finally came together and I made it and I don't bake Sam. So this was a huge thing for me. I'm not a baker. I love cooking. I cook a lot of the meals in our household. I don't bake. That's like kind of a hard and fast rule for me. But when I was looking at some of the things I knew I wanted to do entree and dessert and I wanted to diversify. So with next week, I will be using all three of my fantasy cookbooks for the next two episodes that we have. And Mighty Nine, Campaign 2 of Critical Role, Yasha is one of my favorite characters. And I wanted to make the cake. So I, uh, I, I do not recall the occasion for the cake in the show. What was the... I don't know if there was a specific oh, okay. occasion for like a, a cake recipe, but Yasha, you discover... Spoilers. You discover in Campaign 2 that Yasha's wife dies and Yasha always carries around flowers because they remind her of her uh, dead spouse. So the cake is reminiscent of Yasha's uh, spouse that has sadly passed on. One of my favorite things about Yasha is she's tough, but has that really soft emotional side. And one of my favorite episodes of campaign two is when they're in the fighting pit. Do you remember that episode where Yasha is like raging, but then in the, the city of beasts, I don't remember when they where first but, get to the, the, I can't remember the name of the empire. No, I don't know details, but she's in a fighting pit and she doesn't fight back and she just keeps getting the shit beat out of her and keeps raging. Cause she keeps getting attacked, but it's a great episode and yeah, Ashley Johnson does a great job with Yasha. Yasha might be my favorite campaign two character. Interesting. That I'm, that I'm thinking about it. Campaign one, I'm I'm definitely Scanlan Grog guy. And I know we talked about this in the Legend of Vox Machina episodes that we did to review. Campaign three, I'm almost caught up with campaign three. I've been watching a lot of it lately. I sadly am not. I'm seeing a little bit here and there. I'm very far behind on campaign three. Campaign two, though, when you're saying your favorite character, I have you such can't a come hard up with time. One? Yeah, I have such a hard time elevating any one over the rest. They all 
I mean, I kind of, you know, it ebbs and flows, right? Where you have each character kind of taking their turn in the spotlight for parts of an episode or parts of arcs, but they did such a good job of balancing everybody's personal stories. And that's not a surprise given how intentional they are about kind of sharing the spotlight. But yeah, they're 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 all so well done in season two. Multidimensional, complicated. You yeah, tell my me, head. Tell I don't me know, why. I, probably Jester. I'm, okay, I'm going to cut my cake. You tell me why the correct answer is actually not. Oh, well, I guess I'm talking to myself now. Not. Why is not the best character in season two of Critical Role? Uh, that would be because it's one of the few times in Dungeons and Dragons where a character makes the decision to stop adventuring for a rational reason. I feel like that might be a hard thing to do for a player to retire a character that is popular and that is fun to play, but makes sense because it's true to what the character would do. And that's what we saw. Did you hear any of that, Sean? I endorse everything he just said. Very good. And he will hear it for the first time in editing. <laughs> that is a good looking cake. Yeah. Sir. So here, here's my cross section of the cake. There's ooh, almost just dropped it on my computer. Uh, I'm not going to tilt it up actually, but I walked through the steps of the potato leek soup. So I'll do the same thing for this. You cook down your lavender and butter. I used gluten-free flour because I'm, my body decided to start betraying me when I turned like 30. The, the rigors or the, the terrors of age. Yeah. But you, there's a lot of lemon zest. There's, it's a cake. <laughs> what kind of flour did you end up using? If it's gluten-free? All-purpose flour, gluten-free flour. Oh, really? It's not, a, it's not almond or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Because it looks like it got pretty good. The the limited view looks like it had pretty good pockets. Yeah. And doesn't look too dense, which I think can often happen when you don't have gluten. Yeah. It yeah. also had, what, what do you call it? Yogurt. There's some yogurt in the dough as well before I start baking it. Just took a bite. Oh, and he's reacting. I mean, holy shit, Sam. Send me a piece. Ugh. Overnight, overnight me a thermos of soup and a slice of cake. So here's, it's crunchy on the outside, which is great. As you're going into it, it's very lemony. There's mm -hmm. like, there's two lemons worth of lemon zest in here as well. The the cake is moist, and I think that's I, oh god, I hate that word. It, it's it, probably from moist. Moist is a very important thing yeah. for a cake, but not too moist. It's probably from the yogurt, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, and you didn't overbake it. Didn't overbake it, but the the lavender really comes through. Not only with the lavender garnish that I have on top, but the cake itself is floral, and it's in its taste. I mean, yeah, this is fucking phenomenal. This is hey, great. Dude, I, you just knocked it out of the park as far as it comes to reviewing your cake. You sounded like you'd been on Great British Bake Off for the entire time. Don't have to be a lot of you talking now because this is 
Okay, so the red, I'm just gonna narrate Sean eating the rest of this cake. So there you go. So I can finish this afterwards. Is Carly going uh, to enjoy your potato leek soup? Yeah, she'll be back tomorrow. All right, there you go. From Oregon, so I gotta just package it all up. The cake might be gone by the time she gets home. So I'm just, you said you said you do not bake almost by rule, but you have baked before, but maybe not in a long time. Yeah, I just, I choose not to because too much measuring, it's easy to fuck up. I've baked things that I've really fucked up and then yeah. it's really kind of messed with me in terms of my desire to bake. So I don't do it that often, but I might have to reproduce this cake quite frequently because this is, honestly, it's very, very good. I mean, lemons and lavender are very, obviously right now it's February. So if you were looking for a pop of color and floral and citrus in the middle of the winter, you could do that way, but it, you could go with this cake. But it also sounds like this could be a nice summertime, spring, springtime cake. I know that Haley will do certain cakes kind of every year for 4th of July, a Trey Leche cake decorated as an American flag for those who are interested. So this could be, you could put this in the rotation. For the British Bake Offs, people who watch that show. Carly watches that show a lot. I don't watch that show. We watch it a lot. It's a great show. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. Well, so you, you've made potato leek soup, which looked good, and you said is good, and you've made... Well, the potato leek soup was good. I don't think it looked good. No, it's true. It did not. It, it looked that's... like you were enjoying eating it. It, it did just, not look yeah. good on camera. It, it should just probably... I don't know how one would make potato leek soup look good on camera. <laughs> I should have not stirred the bacon crumble in. Oh, yeah. There you go. If it would have just had like a layer of bacon on top, then we're talking a bacon little different chive, story. maybe. Mm -hmm. I should have garnished it up a little bit more. Yeah. The book well, didn't tell time. me to garnish, so I wasn't prepared for that. See, that's the thing. It's that's I've said it earlier. It's I think sometimes, you know, massive company like Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast, like, oh, we should do a cookbook because, you know, I think part profit. of that reflects, yeah, <laughs> profit. And also it reflects the fact that the demographic that they're reaching has shifted slightly. If I can stereotype for a second, I they're, don't. They're old I, people now? <laughs> well, it's like, they're old. also, I can't imagine, let me see. I'm thinking back to the group that I played with, I played D&D with when I was in middle school. And they, these were these were not friends of mine at, in middle school. These were men that I, play D&D with at a comic book store. I do not think any of them were doing scratch cooking at home. And I do not think a D&D cookbook in 2002 would have been received very well or at any point prior. But in nowadays, D&D is more accessible than ever. It's more popular than ever. You got a lot of people playing and it's like, kind of right within that demographic of folks and you could really make an occasion i mean gone are the days where your D, D snacks are cheese puffs well those days might still be here well i mean you can there's no, no reason not to have a cheese puff but i'm actually beginning to dm a new group and they're oh, all really? coming over tomorrow we're going to do a little session zero character creation excellent so i've got that in my near future and i might be making some of these snacks from heroes feast Exquisite Alexandria and the Elder Scrolls cookbook. You should do that. Keep it strong. Just get more pictures, get more content, more content, Sean. We need more content. Yeah, this is not the end of this episode. This is the halftime. This is the intermission. Noodle 
has to poop, so she was coming up to say hi. Noodle, you want to say something? There's your ASMR kind of. Oh, did you hear her sniffing? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so the next time that our, well, in at part two of this episode, which will be, they'll be released as one episode together, but we will look slightly differently. I am going to shave and... Uh, I'm going to try to wear the same exact shirt. <laughs> okay, you should do that. I will look different. I will, I will not be in my Sam weekend housework outfit. I will be in my Sam holiday day off cooking at home outfit. Which is naked and an apron. No, I'm in an apron. That's all you got to know. <laughs> For our OnlyFans post. Apron on top, party on the bottom. <laughs> okay, cool. So, Sean, thank you for taking us into your kitchen and showing the results of your labor. It they Both both those things looked, well, both of those things sounded delicious. One of them looked great. And uh, tomorrow, I or in the next 10 seconds, I, I will debut my cooked preparations all right see you guys in 10 seconds all right see you soon welcome to part two of elves rings and nerdy things episode 67 this half we're going to talk about sam's dishes now i am in a different location I just got back from the Red Wings game. I'm still eating my cake so I can stay nice. on themed. I'm not wearing the same shirt. I am wearing the same hat and I am drinking instead of absinthe mead. And here's our fancy. Oh my God. That frog is great. <laughs> yeah. These are our wine glasses. Okay. Well, I prepared two dishes, both from the same cookbook. The cookbook is a feast of iced and fire which is the official companion cookbook to Game of Thrones. This was published in 2012, so very shortly after the premiere of the show, and it became kind of a cultural hit. And the thing I like about this cookbook is that the authors started a blog years before the show premiered. This was based originally purely on the books and the dishes that were described in the books. And George R. R. Martin actually wrote the foreword this cookbook and describing how while he is not a cook of any renown he used food to make the the book feel more real and anybody who's read game of thrones sean i don't know if you can attest to this but i certainly agree i think the, the way that food is used in that book really makes those feasts come to life sometimes the uh, the food the, the articles of food are pretty memorable thinking of certain pies in the both in the book and in the show the uh, grasshoppers that Daenerys has at her her wedding festivities, or she doesn't have them, but somebody does, and they may or may not be poisoned. Anyway, so I prepared two items out of this cookbook, and something that they do, which I really like, is that for every dish there are two versions. One version is the kind of the, a modern take on it, and the other version is the either Roman. Elizabethan or some other kind of historical recipe that they track down in a variety of different cookbooks. And they include recipes for some kind of like base seasonings that are used and substitutions that you can make. And so I did that to a certain extent with my items. So I made a beef and bacon pie. And so here is the, see, that's pretty disgusting when it looks on camera. Yeah, it's pretty indescript. You got to turn your blur off, man. Out of <laughs> blurry 
Anyway, so there are some accompanying shorter videos that we shot. My here we go. All right. Yeah, so there, show us. there it there's is. There's the beef and bacon pie. You can see it held together pretty well. It's got a pastry crust and a beef latticework top. This is half of it because due to the magic of recording, that was dinner tonight. And then the other thing I made were, and this was a modern recipe. So I used store-bought pastry crust. Didn't make my own, but I could have the medieval version in, did not have the bacon latticework top. It was much more of an enclosed pastry as would have been typical for medieval cooking. And then I made winter cakes, which are kind of a cross between a shortbread and a scone. And this is seasoned with or flavored with cherries, dried cherries, crystallized ginger, and pine nuts. And those are the things inserted. And there's also some nutmeg and some sherry involved as well. And I think when I when I made I made the the cakes earlier today and when Haley saw them come out of the oven I go you know check these out and she goes oh okay and you know she's not very impressed and I go I use the medieval recipe and she just goes yeah they look medieval so not a not a very impressive outcome and as you will either have seen already or we'll see depending on where it makes sense to put it into the edit they did not taste they don't blow you away, but they're pleasant. And I think Haley said that if it were the Middle Ages and that was the only thing around, yeah, it probably wouldn't be too bad. So pretty if straightforward. If it's the Middle Ages and you're really only used to like porridge and yeah, it, like this broth would be soups. And the the cookbook had a, you know some descriptions, especially of the modern version of this is not individual cakes or kind of large cookie scone things. It's much more, it's an actual, just a big cake. And they kind of describe it as a fruitcake, you know, kind of a, a British or English holiday fruitcake, which gets a bad rap, I think, in a lot of ways in the United States. But if done well, can be can be good. So, the, oh, I forgot to mention this has pine nuts in it as well. Or maybe I did. I, don't, I can't remember. But the pine nut adds an interesting flavor because it's really much more of a savory kind of buttery nut, which is an interesting addition. But that was often what happened in medieval recipes is a combination of sweet and savory flavors relatively relatively without second thought beef and bacon pie was a hit Haley described it as kind of like a shepherd's pie obviously no mashed potatoes on top pastry crust instead of crustless but this was something that could be added to the normal dinner rotation without without objection so that was that was a hit is this your first bacon weave or have you weaved bacon before it's my first bacon weave i had to watch a video and everything i in college my house was considered the party house and we had a bacon party because we knew someone who worked for a local sports team and it was the last game of the season and they had a bunch of bacon that they just had to get rid of. So someone brought bacon to our house and we had way too much bacon and we made a bunch of bacon weaves. We did bacon grease shots. It was like That's half bait. That's half bacon grease, disgusting. half <laughs> bacon grease, half whiskey. And then <laughs> it's so bad. It was horrendous. I'm surprised I'm alive actually. Yeah. I love, I love bacon. I've used bacon grease to cook eggs. I came across a recipe for chocolate chip cookies that substitute bacon grease for a portion of the butter, which are very intriguing to me. I have never, ever, ever, 
ever had the desire to just drink bacon grease. So kudos to you, to you all. I guess it's college, the, right? Yeah, the desire quickly went away. So the I think the worst part was our house smelled like bacon for like a week because we we had someone manning a stove, like the stove top and the oven. Mm-hmm. And we were cooking both ways the entire night. So yeah, it was it was too much. But it was delicious nonetheless. Yeah, well, bacon is lovely. The bacon lattice, I was really surprised at how well it turned out. I was concerned it was going to it was going to burn because you make the lattice first and then just kind of drop it on top of the pie and then stick the pie back in the same oven for 40 mm. additional minutes. But I guess it was really just a matter of the that you had the entire you know, underneath it was completely covered by pie, which all needed to come together and the pastry. There's a little bit of overlap on some of the borders. I think that's the other thing I would have done differently is I probably would make my own pastry dough and make a little bit more than I got in the in the store-bought version because I didn't have the kind of the ideal excess to kind of fold over and pinch and really get a good seal on the edge. Luckily, I didn't have anything run, but it could definitely have looked a little bit better with more pastry. If you had the bacon, it was uncooked, the the weave, when you put it on top, right? It was raw no, bacon? I cooked, I cooked the bacon first. You cooked it first. Okay, yeah. Okay. It, it probably, because I did. I was concerned about overcooking it if I cooked it first. So I did a couple of, did some additional research, and I tried to track down their old blog post. And it there are a lot of people commenting like, oh, yeah, you've got to cook it first. Otherwise, it will not get crispy. And it Well, it, it wouldn't barely, get crispy. And I would be worried about the amount of grease coming down into mm-hmm, your rest mm-hmm. of your pie as well yeah so i was wondering yeah. how you went about with that that's a good point too it would not have gotten crispy and any fat that did render would probably have made the pastry just fall apart mm-hmm. yeah so do that first Haley said like it's a lot of bacon it's very bacon forward and some additional variations you know the lattice looks cool and it probably didn't come off very well in the, the our zoom camera but the pictures that we'll post with this will really demonstrate what it looks like in good lighting and before you cut into it um if i were to make this again i would probably just put more bacon in the filling and put a pastry a shell on top or even maybe mashed potatoes and make it really more like a a shepherd's pie because the bacon lattice you got to really like bacon in order to to enjoy it and i do but not everybody does as much as i do and Sam, what would you recommend people pair with your, in terms of beverage? Well, I didn't do it, but mold wine is basically, they, they recommend mold wine with almost every savory dish here. When I've had mold wine before, I'm sure you have too. It's very good. It, you, it goes quickly, so make a lot. We did mold wine. We did the medieval recipe for mold wine out of this cookbook a couple of years ago. And I... We let it go way too long and it's like half of it completely evaporated. <laughs> so what remained was very concentrated. So I'm working my way through another one of these winter winter cakes. It's very dry. I was about to say <laughs> your voice sounds as though you're struggling yeah. through it. I'm a gonna bit. I'm gonna need to hydrate here. But as a you know, if you wanted to drink this with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, it would be really good. Haley said it was like a good breakfast flavoring. Dipper. Yeah. yeah, it could be a good dipper. And then the medieval recipe called for icing as well. So icing sugar, 
And the cookbook author said, you, you might not need that. It might make it a little too sweet, but I could see maybe pulling back some of the sugar in the cake itself and substituting or, you know, putting the icing on it to, to make up for the lost sweetness. So just a couple of additional modifications, but overall this like, this is, especially if you're, you don't like things that are overly sweet, this is good for that. Just be, be prepared for a little dry mouth. Do you find yourself frequently going back to those fantasy cookbooks to make things? No, not very often. No, which is a shame because I knew this is something that maybe has come through before in the podcast, but I love doing things that are kind of authentic to the way that they would have been done, right? And it's really hard to do that with medieval cooking because the technology is so completely different. Like I was thinking about the just the process of baking in the medieval oven. You have to set a fire in the oven, get the bricks or the stone or the clay, whatever the oven itself is made out of, get that really hot, then pull the ashes out and then throw whatever it is that you're cooking in the oven. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it sits there for as long as it is right. You can't like open the door to m- monitor the temperatures. Like once it's hot, it's only ever going to get cooler and cooler and cooler. So, so many things are different from the way that these recipes were originally intended, but it's still kind of fun to connect with the flavors and to just, it's a lot more involved, right? I had the day off today for, for President's Day and I was, the, between these two things, I think it took me three hours or more with making, you know, chopping all of the ingredients that would go into the cakes and mixing the batter from scratch and doing the bacon lattice and chopping all the vegetables and chopping the beef that goes into this and cooking it all up because it doesn't, nothing goes into the paste, the pie raw. The only thing that's uncooked is the pastry shell itself. And if I had made the pastry, that would have been another, you know, 40 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And then, you know, after cleaning everything up and getting the kitchen back to the shape it was in before, yeah, it's three and a half hours. So it's definitely a commitment, which is something that you don't, you know, just on a, on a week to week basis, we don't have that time, but it was worth it for the, for the podcast to get back in the kitchen and experiment with some of these recipes. And like I said, you know, this was, I think, 15th, 16th century recipe. It held, it holds up decently well. Are there better things on the market? Absolutely. Is it tastes a little bit better because I made it from scratch? 100%. Yeah, we have a mail server or a meal service that sends us three meals a week. So we do cook a fair amount from scratch, like that kind of stuff. But I don't know, Carly and I, every once in a while, we'll open up one of the cookbooks and say, we just want to make one. So we probably do it like every two months or so ish. That's fun. Yeah. And that then, just gave me an idea, business idea medieval meal service we will send you all of the ingredients for a beef and bacon pie we and all of the materials you need to construct your own oven in your backyard <laughs> yeah it's an <laughs> oven delivery system we don't install it yeah. you install it it's a diy diy a, medieval brick oven here's a pallet of bricks <laughs> But no, it's fun. Like I really love having those cookbooks because then you can go through and it's so diverse. There's vegetarian options. There's meat options, seafood, drinks, desserts, appetizers. So it really is just go through, thumb through and pick something that you're interested in making. And there's so many different options too that you don't have to cook the same thing twice. So I don't know. We And I find it pretty intuitive. So 
in the exquisite Exandria, it shows you all of the ingredients that you need on the left and then tells you the amount of each. And then when you're reading the instructions or the recipe and how to like assemble everything, it will just say add flour to baking powder mm. and everything is on the left already. So like with the, the cake, I went through and kind of pre-portioned out all of my things mm -hmm. like my meal delivery service. And when it said add flour to baking powder, I just dumped what I had already measured out. So there's a way to make it go pretty fast too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, it's just fun. I enjoy it. When you, this is a little bit less critical for baking. Uh, although it still helps with not creating a mess and making sure you don't forget anything, but just getting your, you know, the, what's the term from cooking the, the mes en play, the mes getting all of your ingredients out in their proper proportions without any additional need for, you know, chopping or doing whatever, you know, we're not making fancy. This is not restaurant quality meals here. Although, you know, it, maybe it could be depending on the restaurant. Right. But yeah, it's, it, it goes a lot faster if you take the time ahead of the actual final cooking to do all of the prep work and get everything lined up. And, you know, today, like I said, I was, I made the cookies and I turned around and I made the pie in between I made lunch for myself and for Haley. So I was in the kitchen for, you know, three and a half hours straight. And if I hadn't, you know, stopped and cleaned up and done the prep work, it would have been a complete mess. And there would have been, you know, mm -hmm. contamination from the bacon or the raw beef or whatever. And I got, you know, I don't want to get the cookies getting splattered with the bacon and who knows what. So yeah, but it takes time, but it's fun. And I like what you and Carly are doing with, you know, making kind of an, uh, an occasion out of it. Definitely something Even that you not, you can incorporate that into when you're playing D&D. Yeah. And even if you just want to decide to do like a cocktail, you can still pull those open. Like there's, I think one of my favorites is called the mind flare and it's mm -hmm. like a grape. We made that for one of our D and D mm -hmm. uh, sessions. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're really easy, small things you can do too. That kind of put you in contact with your fantasy endeavors. Mm -hmm. Do you have any last comments on your, dishes well i will say that like i said this the feast of ice and fire came out in and i turned my blur back on so apologize they did a really good job with this it's very well produced came out in 2012 george r, r. martin actually wrote the introduction to it and then like i said i went and tracked down their old i tried to track down their recipe for this beef and bacon pie just to get to make sure i got the lattice the bacon lattice right and it turns out one of the co-authors of this cookbook has gone on to do several other fantasy cookbooks and i think they did the world of warcraft one they might have done the skyrim cookbook her name is chelsea monroe castle and so she might have been on the kind of the early edge the bleeding edge of the fantasy cookbook and so you know i think we have a lot of a lot of thanks to give these two authors because 2012 was kind of before you know it was before the stranger things uh, D and D fifth edition kind of brought fantasy stuff back into the mainstream. And really it was kind of that, that game of Thrones premiere that, that did it. And they were out there cooking these dishes, making a name for themselves before that even happened. So I think we have a decent amount of thanks to, to give to those two. We can announce now next week, we're doing a mead episode. The winner of our poll is the juniper berry mead. So if you're interested in the mead making process, I've been doing it for about, oh gosh, I'm going on three years now. 
is what I'm drinking currently is my raspberry, blueberry, blackberry, vanilla. So three berry vanilla mead. So we'll be kind of talking through the whole process next week. And we will be using the juniper berry mead recipe from the Elder Scrolls Skyrim cookbook as like our base. I'm going to be kind of changing it up a little bit and I'll explain that later next week. But the recipe calls, it makes a smaller batch and I make one gallon batches. So I'm going to have to kind of mess with my um, ingredients and amounts and all of that stuff. But that's next week. So if that interests you, stay tuned. That will also be a video. And then our most exciting, I think, episode we have coming up. We're still going to tease it and not tell you much. That's coming in two weeks. So stay with us. We've got fun things coming. Still waiting for Legend of Vox Machina to come out. Just still waiting on an announcement of when it's going to come out. Yeah. Oh, man. But we'll get there. Otherwise, this was episode 67 of Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things. You can follow us on Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things on Facebook. We have a Facebook group where like that poll I just mentioned will be listed, things like that, where you can interact with us. That is called the Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things podcast group. You can email us at elvesringsandnerdythings@gmail.com, And we have episodes every week on Wednesdays. All right. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. And I just came back from the Detroit Red Wings. Go Red Wings. We beat this Kraken in overtime. It was amazing. I will miss Did you, you get on TV? Did you get on the big screen, the Jumbotron? Oh, no, no, no. There's so many. The thing about Red Wings fans, man, we travel. We were in Vancouver a couple days ago, and I think we mentioned on the podcast mm-hmm. over there. And people from Vancouver who are Red Wings fans, people coming from around the country and from Washington, like me, up into Vancouver to see them play. Now, the Red Wings got hammered by Vancouver because they're like the best team in the in the league right now, but... Yeah, Red Wings fans travel, man. So the odds were against me. There were so many Red Wings fans there that there was no way that I was going to get on screen. And I tried. I'm wearing my 90s polo, but no. You got to be George. Yeah. I'm not George. I'm too old to be George. You're too old to be George. There's only one George. I can only be one George. Okay. um, Yeah. So thanks for bearing with us on what is kind of an an experiment in L's Rings and Nerdy Things with a video episode. I realized several times throughout, I kind of forgot I was on camera. Yeah, <laughs> and... I, I ate that piece of bacon. <laughs> my apologies that uh, if the editing is not great, I'm learning, and I promise to get better with the future video episodes that we do. So well, that's it for us. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye, everybody.